Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. It is just an absolute honor and privilege that I get to spend this morning with you guys. I want to take a moment just to do uh, a couple things. One, I want to honor um, just Pastor Drake and, and Danielle just for how well just in my, my very short time of knowing them, how well I think that they have led this house. And um, I, I say this, so, you know, Maddie had mentioned up here that, you know, they believe, you guys as a church believe prayer isn't the last, res- it's the first response, not the last resort. There we go, I got it. Uh, and and I want to just tell you that uh, you guys are, are one of our, our church partners. Uh, me and my wife are are planting a church in, in Broomfield. And um, that's a story I'm gonna, I'm gonna share in just a second with you guys. But uh, with that, one of the things that how we get a church started is by having church partners. And, and really two of the, what the biggest thing that I've ever asked a church to do for us and with us is um, really to pray for us. Um, the financial gifts that you guys give are amazing. And we're so thankful for that. Um, we have churches that, that join us on mission and, and serving our community, but but one of the things that often goes assumed and underused is, is really prayer. And and I will tell you this, Drake is probably one of the only, that's not entirely true, but he is definitely, in my opinion, the, the pastor who, um, of all of our church partners, actually consistently reaches out to me, just a text message and just says, hey, how can we, how can we pray for you? Like, how, how can we pray for, for you, for your wife, for your family, for this church? How can we, we pray for you right now? And so when I, when, when I say I want to honor them and how well they've led this house, it is, uh, from what I can see, it's, it's not just getting up here and saying some words up on stage, but it's something that he actually lives out, in, 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 in at least in, with my relationship with him. And so um, I just wanted to honor them and just thank them for the opportunity to, to be here this morning uh, with you guys. And and I'm just, I'm honored to have the opportunity to share our story with you and, and share and continue in this series called Teach Us to Pray. And so uh, I want to ask you this question this morning. I want to ask you, and I just take a second and think about it. The question is this, is where in your life do you feel most overwhelmed? Just like right now, and I'm not even going to list out different examples of where that could be. Uh, just in your life, where do you feel your life feels overwhelming. Where, where's the chaotic? Where is the, the, the place for you that is just, you're just wrestling with, you're, you're struggling with? The passage that we're going to read this morning is Psalms 46.10. And we don't have time to read the first nine verses um, because if we did, I, I would probably want to tell you all the details about that. And we'd be here much longer than, than uh, time has been allotted for. But, but what's happening in Psalm 46 is there is the people of Israel, the people of God are in distress. They're in a spot of trouble. The, the Bible describes um, earthquakes and, 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 and mountains being shaken. It's this idea of there's, there's trouble, there's tor- turmoil, there's distress. It talks about the nations being against God, warring against him. There's this idea here um, that we could almost just say that they're in a tough spot. 
They find themselves in a difficult situation. And the Bible talks, in this passage at least, about how God continually intervenes in the midst of their difficulties, in the midst of their struggles. And in verse 10, what we see is actually, I love this, verse 10 is the only verse in this chapter, there's 11 verses, that's in quotation marks. Everything else is description, and yet verse 10, the passage we're going to read about this morning and really dive into is in quotation marks because in this chaos, in the trouble, in the difficulties, God speaks. And this is what he speaks. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I don't know what you walked in with this morning. I don't know when I asked that question, what, what went on in your mind. I don't know what you're facing, what you're battling, what you're walking through, what you're dealing with. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're in here this morning. You're like, I feel at peace and that's great. And maybe you're here this morning. You're like, I'm just doing everything I can to hold my life together. And no matter what extreme you find yourself on, or maybe somewhere in the middle, there's this element of prayer that we're going to lean into. And it's this idea of being still and knowing God for, I told you guys I would share my story. And so uh, my wife and I moved here in August of 2023, 2022. Uh, sometimes once we, once we entered, once COVID hit, I just kind of forgot what year we were in, truthfully. Uh, I, I, I struggle ever since then. But uh, we moved here last August to uh, plant a church. We, we felt in our hearts that, that God was calling us to the Denver kind of area. Uh, he had placed church planting in our hearts and our minds years and years and years ago, back when I was, uh, truthfully, when I was 16 years old. And, uh, and so we, we get to this point and we get here and it's exciting. And my wife is pregnant with our first child. And we welcome our, our baby girl who is being so well loved and cared for in Little City Kids this morning. I'm so thankful for that team to uh, love and support and um, just provide parents like us a space that they can um, watch them and, and we can be in here and, and engaging and experiencing uh, what God has for us this morning. But with that, um, there's this really kind of weird thing with, um, with church planting. And again, this may not apply to you directly. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are, are currently planting a church, but I think the principles will, will still apply. And so um, there's this really kind of weird kind of thing, dynamic you have to walk through, which is where you have to pick a location, right? Because I can't just say, hey, I'm going to plant a church in Denver and expect people from Boulder, like no one from Boulder is driving to Denver, right? Like for the most part. Um, you might do it for work, but people aren't going to do it for church. And there was this, a lot of pressure that we felt to pick a location. And uh, not really knowing where else to go, what else to do, we had, um, and we had even done, like, I just want to throw, like, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting um, as, as a couple, and we picked the community of Thornton to plant a church in. Seemed like a good area, needs churches, right, all these kinds of things. But our hearts never really connected with it. And so we start the process of moving forward with we're going to plant a church in Thornton and we announce it to people. It's on our website. We have promotional materials that we've spent money on, you know, telling people, hey, we are planting a church in Thornton, Colorado. And only a couple months into the process, um, I, I don't, there were several conversations that we had, but I, I don't remember if you said it or if I said it. That's my wife in the front row, by the way. That's why I'm looking at her. Um, that's not just some random woman I'm looking at. Uh, but... 
I don't remember which one of us said it, but there was a moment where one of us just looked at each other and we were like, we are out of alignment with what God wants for us. We feel that we are going against God in this. And the truth be told is my pride got in the way and I'm like, how embarrassing would it be? We've been out here for months and months and months. People are expecting, you know one of the first questions you get as a church planter? Where's your building? <laughs> I'm like, we don't even have people, let alone a building, right? Like, uh, so that's not where we're at in this stage right now. And, and yet, in this whole process, I would tell you that we prayed. Like, we were constantly praying. We were constantly fasting. We were constantly seeking God. And yet, as I would pray, there was this striving, this, this like, God, why aren't you speaking? Why am I not feeling you, right? Like, why am I, why am I not understanding what it is you're doing? Why do I feel out of alignment with you? And I think that in many ways, it's because I personally, I'm just going to own this up. If you're a perfect person in here, then that's great. Congratulations. Uh, I'm not. And so I'm going to own where, where I've learned and where I've walked through and the mistakes I made. So hopefully maybe you can uh, not walk in those same things. But I think in many ways, it's because I didn't really understand or apply the text that we're reading this morning. And, and you might be thinking like you're you know, Bryson, you were praying. Does that mean you were praying badly? I don't know if there's really a bad way to pray. I think no matter where you're at, there's just, just pray, talk to God. I think that's a great starting point. But I believe that there is a way, a pattern, or just examples that God has shown us that would make our prayers just more effective, that would help us more align with who God is and, and what it is He's doing. I mean, the series is called Teach Me to Pray, not just talk to God right? Like if that's where you're at, if your starting point is, I just need to talk to God, do that. That's amazing. But this series is called Teach Me to Pray. And so I want to share with you what I've learned about prayer, how God has really changed and uh, transformed my life through this. And so, um, but, but I say that, I tell you the story to tell you that um, ultimately just through some really difficult situations that happened in our life, um, God revealed to us the the community that we were really called to sarah and i feel a lot more more peace about that but i wish i wish i wish that i had known and understood the context of this passage in this verse before walking through some of those those troubles and, and and again maybe in here you're this morning you're like i'm not planting a church i'm not doing anything like that it doesn't have to be the same example it doesn't have to be the exact same story um, you have a unique story god is doing unique things in your life. God wants to do special and unique things in and through your life. And so this morning, just take a step back, ask yourself that question. Ask yourself, is there an area where I'm out of alignment with God? Am I going against God? Is there a place in my life where, where there's that chaos and things feel overwhelming? If so, I want us to think about this verse and learn how to pray, be still, and know that I am God. So that's Psalm 4610, uh, the first part, that's what it says. God speaks and he says, be still and know that I am God. Now, this is not a verse. I just want to point this out here. I think this is really important. I think a lot of times when we read be still, that we think sit, meditate, clear our minds, and then God will speak to us. And I'm just going to throw this out here. That's not the worst thing in the world that you could do, but that's not really what this verse is talking about. That's not really what God is speaking here in this moment. And, and if you're like me, I've done that before. Uh, when I was in college, I would, I, would, I would go to class super early in the morning. I would work in the afternoon. I'd get home and 
You know, there's something about college that just, it's a thousand questions in life and you just, you feel that turmoil, I think, with everything that happens. I remember I would just sit in my car and I'd turn off my car and I would just sit there like holding the steering wheel. I was like, okay, if I can just clear my mind enough, right? If I can just be at peace enough within myself, right? If I can just empty all of my thoughts, then I will hear the voice of God. He will speak to me what it is that he wants me to do or where I'm supposed to go or, or what decision I'm supposed to make or, or something along those lines. And again, that's not the worst thing to do, but that's not what this verse is talking about. And so we're going to look at that first phrase and that's be still. You want to know how to pray? Be still. Now, if you didn't know this, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. And so um, there's, there's translations and, 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 and people have interpreted different words differently. And so the phrase be still is, is not a bad phrase. It's not a bad interpretation. Um, but, but really when you get into the Hebrew, it could really be understood more as stop fighting. Stop, stop fighting. Cease striving. Or actually my, my favorite is, is this is to stand empty. Like, like that's the complete opposite, right? We typically think be still means I have to sit down. And yet in a lot of ways, this verse is saying stand empty. Stop fighting, right? Because again, what's happening is um, the, the Bible has just described in Psalm 46 that the, the nations are going against God, that the people of Israel are in turmoil with God. And, and what God speaks here is the first word that he speaks is this, just stop fighting. Just let go. Release control. Surrender. And, and I don't know, again, I don't know what you are in here today facing or thinking or walking through. But the best place that we begin our prayer life, or I'll say one of the best places, because there's a lot of great starting points and everyone has different spots, but, but one of the best places for us to position ourselves and our hearts is just this idea of, I'm done fighting. I'm done striving. I am done trying to work my prayer life against God. I don't know about you. Anyone else ever felt that way before, right? That you're, you're praying and you're like, why is my prayer hitting the ceiling and bouncing back on me? right? Why do I feel like I'm speaking to an empty room or, or an empty car, right? Why is it that I'm, I'm praying all of these things and I'm not seeing all these things happen? And there's a thousand different reasons that we don't have to get, don't have time to get into this morning, but, but I just want to ask you this question of when you pray, are you approaching God with this posture of saying, you know what, God, you're in control. Like I'm done fighting. I'm done trying to control things. I'm, I'm done trying to make things happen. I'm done trying to be in charge of my life because all it has brought me is chaos and confusion and struggles and dissent and difficulty. And, and I think a lot of times we get to that point when we feel most overwhelmed. And I want to encourage you right now, don't wait, right? Prayer is not a last resort is a first response. Don't wait until you're in the spot where you are struggling and you have hurt and need. Go to God in that place. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm, I'm encouraging you respond first with a posture that says, I'm going to be still. And you're like, well, we'll be still in what? Everything. There is nothing off limits to God. Now, 
I'm, I'm not telling you that this is easy. In fact, in my life, this is, this is probably one of the, the hardest things that, that I do that I've had to learn. And, uh, there's a verse. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had a life verse before. Okay. So, um, I grew up in Missouri, <laughs> Springfield, Missouri specifically, which is like buckle of the Bible belt. Like, I, I mean, I've been in church, you know, 29 years, nine months, that kind of thing. Um, you know, like, I mean, I went to Bible college. Um, if you guys know Seth Kester, uh, that's how I know him. We actually uh, shared, like, here was my dorm room, here was his. I got some great stories about Seth, by the way, in case anyone wants to hear him after the service. But uh, love you, Seth, if you're watching online. But, um, but, but with that, though, there's this kind of the idea that you, you pick a life first, right? It's just, it's, the, it's the, the, the Christian thing to do. You have to have a life first. And so I picked a life first, honestly, because one of my favorite speakers and authors uh, said it was his life first. That was how profound it was in my life. I was like, he's cool. I'm going to pick this first. And, uh, but I've actually found that maybe there was some, some divineness from God in that. Um, the verse is Exodus 14, 14. And, um, if you're not familiar with the, the whole passage of scripture, what's happened is, um, the Hebrew people, the people of God have been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Um, God sends the plagues. They're set free. And they get to this place called the Red Sea. You might be familiar with that part of the story. And so here, here's the, here's the picture. So they have this sea in front of them. The geography around them is kind of mountainous. And so they're kind of trapped in there. Um, and the, the army of Pharaoh is actually coming after them. So, so I want you to put yourself, kind of try to put yourself in this spot, right? So you're looking ahead. There's just, just giant sea of water in front of you. I have no idea how I'm going to cross that. I look to my left. I look to my right. There's, there's mountains. There's sharp edges. There's, there's this path that no one can walk on, right? And I look behind me, and there is this army that is coming at me with their full force. And, and as you can imagine, uh, the people of Israel turn to faith in God, and they're like, God, we love you. We believe in you. You're in control of all things. No, that's not what happened at all. Um, they start crying and fearful. They start, they start accusing Moses of things. They start asking God, why would you bring us out here? It was better that we should have remained in, in slavery. And, and so you got like a million people who are, who are fearful. And truthfully, I kind of get it. And Moses comes in this moment and, and he speaks. And, and what he says is Exodus 14, 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The NIV translation would say, you have only to be still. Like, here's this moment where they're trapped. Like, they have nowhere to go. They're looking at everything around them, and everything around them says, this is bad. This is not good. We're going to die. We're literally going to die. And I, here's, here's my interpretation, right? This is the Bryson. This is not inspired by God, but it's basically like, hey, will you just calm down and relax because God has got this? And what ends up happening is, is that the God does open the Red Sea. Uh, the Hebrew people walk across safely on dry ground and the Egyptian army is defeated. Ultimately, God shows up in such a way that it is crazy. And for me, the reason I picked this as my life verse is not because I think I do this well, but, but the day that I fully understand this is probably going to be the day that Jesus comes back, right? Because I just, I'm going to have to work on this in my entire life. It's this idea of just let go of control. Watch, like, yes, there are circumstances around you. There are things happening to you, but the Lord himself is fighting for you. He is in control of all things. Be still. 
Just surrender these things. Let go of the fear, of the anxiety, of the worry, that thing that keeps you up at night. Release that over to God. Now, I'm up here saying this like it sounds super easy, right? Like, hey, just let go and let God, right? Like, like super easy, very cliche. But I'm, but I'm really talking about find a spot and a place in your life where you just fully surrender everything to God. Just be still, be silent before God. Listen to Him. What is it that God is asking you to let go of? Ultimately, it's everything, but is there something specific in your heart and your life and in your actions or your behaviors, all of these different things, right? Be still, let go. Know that God is in control. Let go of all of these things because here, here's, here's what I'm going to encourage you with is the best place for us to begin praying is when we, when we walk in with a, a heart posture that says, you know what, God? It's not mine. It's not mine. It, it, it's yours. That, that, that thing I'm struggling with at work, the thing that I'm looking at with my finances, the, the relational issues within my marriage, the relational issues with my, my children, right? The, the, the struggles I'm facing in, in school, the, the weight that I feel of, of this circumstance that I'm, that I'm walking through right now. I'm not, I'm not telling you that God's just gonna go poof, right? Fix your problems, everything's good, don't hear that. I'm not, I'm not telling you this is not, a, this is not a pray and God fixes all of your issues kind of a sermon. This is a no matter what you do, God, no matter how you choose to work, no matter what happens in my life, I, it's, it's all yours. And I'm, I'm here to surrender everything. Christian in this room, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I just want to encourage you because this is something we don't like to hear because it means we have to give up something. We have to let go of things. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, Jesus gave it all, everything for you. And so there's nothing that we should withhold from him. If you're not a follower of Jesus in this room, I, I hope that this message this morning gives you some um, insight into what we believe and, and who God is. But, but I want to encourage you that for you, that first step is really surrendering your life um, to God. And there are people here, if, if you want more clarity on on what that means that um, just look for the name tags, look for uh, Maddie after the service or any, anybody who would just be happy to talk with you and um, just answer your questions and, and hear your story and, and what it is you're walking through. And, and so this is where, um, but this is where a powerful prayer life begins. It begins with us taking our focus off of our, sur our surroundings, our circumstances, the struggles and looking to God. And I believe that when we do that, that we're gonna see God do more than we can ask, think, or imagine we're going to see God move in our life in ways that, that we didn't even realize that he, he could. And it begins with surrender. It begins with, with being still. And, um, but that's not where the verse stops. The, God doesn't just say, be still. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know God. I, I love that word and because it doesn't say be still or know that I am God. It doesn't say be still, period, know that I am God, right? It's, these are not necessarily two disconnected thoughts. These are the same thoughts as we need to be still and we need to know God. I want to make it as clear as I possibly can uh, that this is not a general knowledge of God. 
you're in church this morning. So there's, there's probably some level of knowledge of God. What the, the, the depth or how much of the Bible you've read, that's not what I asked. There's, there's some knowledge of, of God, but that's not what we're talking about when, when, we, when we say, and know that I am God. We're talking about a trust that we know who God is is when we walk through different situations and circumstances. We're not, we're not talking about a general knowledge that God exists or that there is some divine being or higher power, right? We're talking about that we know who God is and his depth and his characters. There's an intimacy, an intimacy and a relationship that goes along with that. And so I wanna ask you this question, like what do you know of God? And again, sorry, rhetorical question, uh, just in case anyone felt the need to shout something out, right? Just rhetorical question, what do you know about God? And that's not, a, that's not a, like, you're like, oh, great, I'm in church, and now I'm feeling, condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to, to judge you or anything like that. I'm, I'm genuinely asking you this question. What do you know of God? Because what we think about God, what we know about God, it's going to impact the way we pray. It's going to impact how we how we think about God. It's going to impact the way we approach God. So let me let me give you an example. And I'm not saying it's the best example, but it's an example. Ever heard the analogy that God is like some angry grandpa in the clouds with lightning bolts ready to just strike at any moment? I have never understood that analogy or imagery, but I have actually heard people say that before. That that God's just some grandpa sitting up on his throne up in heaven. He's got the long white beard and the robe, and uh, he's just mad, right? He's just angry all the time. Like, you, like just, just think about it. You, like, maybe it's your grandpa. Maybe you know someone. You know that kind of, like, older man that just looks mad all the time, right? And you're just like, well, I don't even know what I did to you, right? You're just angry, right? That's what people think about God. And so when, if we think that, if that's how we intellectually know God, then we're going to approach God with, like, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. And I know I'm the last person you want to hear from right now. And I know that everything I'm about to tell you is going to make you mad. And it's probably going to make you hate me. And, and ultimately, you're going to feel like you're, you're not even going to want to be around me. And so why would, why would we pray to a God like that? And ultimately, we're only going to pray to that God when we're, we're, in, we're in desperate need. But when we get into the scriptures, I want to encourage you, read the Bible for yourself. If you don't know where to start, this is just my encouragement. First um, John, I love the book of First John. It's five chapters, which means not like you could go home and read it. If you're a, like if you're just like a steady reader, probably like thirty minutes at best. That might even be longer than most people. But read one chapter a day. You've read a whole book of the Bible this entire week, right? Um, but it just it talks so much about the depth and the love of, of God and, and who he is in our life and how he works. But, but when we know God, when we know God, I'm not asking about your experience with God. I'm not asking about what God didn't do in your life. I'm not talking about what your grandma back in the South and her Sunday school class believes about God. Right? I'm asking you about, do you know God? Like, do you know God as provider? Like that's, that's Jehovah Jireh. That is one of the names of God in the Bible, that God is our provider, that, that no matter how much or how little we have, that God will provide for us. Do we know God as our, our protector, as our, our strong fortress, our, our refuge, as Psalms 46 even says, 
that when we're going through difficulties and troubles, that he's there as a place of safety, right? Do we, do we know God as loving and as kind and as gracious? In a lot of ways, do we know God as righteous and holy? Like Maddie talked about last week, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are holy. You are set apart. This is who you are. And again, I'm not asking what you grew up with. I'm not asking what you were, were taught by some pastor at some point. I'm not asking what your, your preconceived notion of. I'm asking, do we know God? Like who he is really? Because when we know God, it's gonna change the way that we pray. It's gonna change the way that we think. So when we approach prayer and we're like, God, everything is yours, and I know who you are in your character. It is who you are. You are un changing. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, meaning this is that if God did it back then, he can do it today, and he can do it tomorrow. And and so do we approach God in that way? Do we approach God to say, you know what, God, I made some really bad financial decisions. I've messed up. I've spent my money on some things I shouldn't have done. My wife is angry at me. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay for this thing that my kid really needs. And I'm not telling, listen, again, money is that really weird subject because you, you've probably heard those um, people, you know, it's like they're kind of like the Oprah. It's like, hey, pray and then send us and you're going to get everything you want, right? You get a car, you get a car. You all get free cars, right? That kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not telling you that, that God is going to just magically fix your problems, but I'm saying, are we approaching prayer saying, you know what, God, I surrender everything to you. And that includes my, my finances, And I also know that you are provider. And so these things work together when we surrender and when we know, God, it's going to change the way we pray. That's just just one example of many that we could talk about this morning. But do we know God in the way that he desires for us to be known? Do we think that God is just angry and apathetic? Do we think that he's cold and distant, right? If those are the things we think about God, That's going to impact the way we pray. And yet when we get into the Bible, that's not what we see about who God is. The examples and the stories are testimonies written for us to know and to understand today that if God did it then, he can do it today. That if God saved them, he can save us today. If he provided then, he can provide now. That if he healed then, he can heal now. All of these different things. And so we have to know God. And, and again, it's the be still and know. It, it, these, are, these two things are, are connected together. And so how, how, how would God have us to pray? I believe that he would really have us to pray, just starting with that heart of, God, here I am. I'm letting go. I'm stop, I'm stop fighting. I'm, st- I'm, I'm done striving. All, everything I have is yours, and I know who you are. I know the character of who you are. I can read stories and testimonies in the Bible of what you did, and I'm praying that we would see those things happen today in my life and in this church for the people around you. Like this is such, this unlocks and opens up so much more than God bless this food and keep us safe. Now, those are not bad prayers, but, but wouldn't it be, a, what a beautiful invitation that God gives us to go further to know him 
more, to, to know ourselves more in the areas where, where we need to release control. Because when we, when we start to really release control, or, or if I say something, right, and you kind of twinge a little bit, you're like, mm, God can have that, but not that. What does that say about us? What does that teach us about who, who we are and the areas that God wants to work in and through our lives? It is amazing that God, who created everything, wants to be known and gives us access to fully know him. And I want to invite you this morning to sit and to stand empty in that posture and know God in a way that you've never experienced him before, that you've never thought about him before. It is, it don't just come to church and check off a box like I did a good thing and, and I, I, I kind of feel better about myself, but really know and be transformed by who God is. And, and so we want to be still and know God. And there's a purpose behind all of this, and that's the second part of Psalm 46. It's this idea of glorify God. It says, God speaks and says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I, I would say it this way, that we glorify God, that we, that we glorify God. This, there's this idea here that God says, be still and know that I am God, and here's what's going to happen. I will be exalted. I will be lifted up. I will be held high so that all the world might see and know that I am God. Christian, follower of Jesus in this room, this is not just for internal purposes. Like, there, like you realize that your life has a purpose. Like God has a mission for you. And, and there are so many specific examples and things that he wants to do in and through you. But generally speaking, this is what God wants for us to do. He wants us to, to bring glory to him. And so when I pray in such a way that I fully surrender everything to him, and when I really get to know God, know who he really is, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about who you think God is, but to know him authentically and genuinely and intimately, he says, this is what will happen. He says, I will be exalted amongst the nations. The whole world will know who I am when you do these things, when you be still and know that I am God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it from maybe such a broad scope because the world can feel a little overwhelming so that Boulder would know the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name, the name the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day, God will be exalted one day. It will happen. The Bible says that no matter what we do, it's going to happen. The question is, is it, is it going to happen here on earth as it is in heaven? Again, if you didn't listen to Maddie's message last week or you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It was, it was really powerful and encouraging. But for the city of Boulder to know, to, for God to be exalted, for them to not just see a church, although that's a great thing, to see a church in a positive way, I, I get it for, that, for, for the world we live in right now, that's, that's huge. But even more than that, so that people in this city would, would know that God is God, that he's, he's real, that he loves them, that he cares about them, that he gave his one and only son, so that if they would just confess and believe that, that, that he would save them from, from their sins and from, the, from all the wrong things that they do, right? This, this is the, the basics of the gospel. And we don't just want people just to come and fill these seats 
We want people to be changed and transformed because of what we know Jesus has done in our hearts and our lives, because of how he's changed us and transformed us. But if we don't get a prayer life that goes past, God, keep me safe, bless this food, help me get this promotion, um, help me pass this test that I didn't study for, right? Anyone else ever been there? I have, I've done that several times. And those are not bad prayers. The Bible says pray about all things. So I'm not minimizing any of these things. What I'm, what I'm inviting you to is take a step further. Take one step further in your prayer life. I want to encourage you this morning, don't just be content with where you're at. I want to invite you and, and, and challenge you to go further in your, your, your prayer life. And so here's what we're going to do um, here in just a moment. Maddie's going to come up and, and lead in a, a time of communion. But, but I want us to, to be able to put this into practice this morning. And so I, I told you that one of the, the things that the Bible says that be still means is to stand empty. So here's what I'm going to do just in a second. I'll, 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 I'll tell you when. But here in just a second, I want to invite everyone to just stand and just ask yourself that question. What am I holding on to? What am I holding on to? I just need to empty myself that I might be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but, but we want, as followers of Christ, we want to just be emptied of our ambitions, of our anxieties, of our, of our pride, of those struggles in our life, of all of these different things so that God might reveal himself to us, so that he might be glorified in and through our life. I want to just tell you this, that you are here on purpose for a purpose. God has a special plan for your life. He has a unique, he has a powerful plan for your life. God wants to use you in ways that you can't even fathom or imagine. And it starts in so many ways with a prayer life. Here I am, God. That's how our story started. We, we, we uprooted our lives from a nice job, a nice place to live, a good community. Not because we were just bored and had nothing else to do, but because we knew that this is where God wanted us. And it took surrender. It took us saying, you know what, God, this is not my plan. This is not what I want necessarily. But if this is what you have for my life, I, I give everything back to you. The thing I'm trying to work on right now is that really knowing God, is knowing that he, he's got everything in my life in control right now and, and seeing him in, in that way. And, and so um, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in a different spot than, than I am. Um, but I just want to encourage us. We're going to take just a minute. We're going to take just a minute and pray as, as the keys play. And so if you would just stand right where you're at, I, I want to encourage you just to get into a posture. Um, you don't have to. I like to hold my hands out when I pray. Um, it, just, it just really says, God, here I am, open, open to whatever you have. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want us to take a minute just to empty ourselves. Just release whatever it is, let go of control. Listen to the Holy Spirit speak this morning so that God might be glorified. We're just gonna to pray together.
God, our hearts are open, our minds ready to receive your word speaking to us. God, help us to let go and surrender whatever it is that we're holding on to. I know it's scary to let go. I know it's difficult to release control. But I believe on the other side of that, God, you have something better for us. God, as we empty ourselves, as we let go, Holy Spirit, would you flood this room with your presence that, that you might be known to us in such a way that we've never experienced before, that we've never even thought about experiencing before. God, help us to make our heart's purpose as followers of Christ, that we would glorify you so that Bowler would know the name of Jesus, so that our, our parents would know the name of Jesus, so that our brother, our sister would know the name of Jesus, so that our best friend would know the name of Jesus, so that our, our coworker would know the name of Jesus, so that our daughter would know the name of Jesus, our son would know the name of Jesus. Jesus, you gave it all, and we give everything back to you. We thank you for all that you've done. And we just pray that you would continue speaking to us in this time of worship and communion. We pray all of this through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.